We once did a table read and Tina's explaining this process of like infusing your own voice, but doing the character, doing it justice, mm -hmm. all of that. Mm -hmm. And she goes like, Ethan, Ethan, sh show them what I mean. Just do the first line. And I was like, oh, um, uh, yeah, oh, okay, um, right, no, no, that's easy, I can do that. And I did it, I was like, good morning, world, and all who inhabit it. And she, and, she, and Tina goes, yeah, I mean, almost like that, not quite like that, but like sort of like that, let's, <laughs> let, we'll move on. Welcome to SpongeBob Binge Pants, Nickelodeon's official podcast about all things SpongeBob. I'm Hector Navarro. And I'm Frankie Grande. Today we are talking to two of my friends from the Broadway community, Wesley Taylor and Ethan Slater, who play Plankton and, are you ready for it, SpongeBob SquarePants himself from the SpongeBob Broadway musical. Wow. Oh my gosh. It's such a great interview. We get to unpack the challenges of trying to bring to life these iconic cartoon characters in live action on the stage. Well, we learn all about that, and it's just such a great follow-up to our previous Broadway-themed episode. We talked to some of the other cast members in the show. I love visiting this world, Frankie, and I love the way that you lead me, somebody who's not an expert by any means, through this amazing world and amazing community. It's such a fantastic interview. Let's get into it, shall we? When we talked to Danny and Gavin, we talked about what it was like for you guys to get these roles and what your awareness of SpongeBob was before then, what it was like to create the show, build it, perform it, close it out, come back for the TV special, and then just to see the impact of like you two becoming a part of the larger SpongeBob world. And the thing that has made me so happy is I was so relieved as a fan of this cartoon show that everybody working on this production loved this cartoon show and it came through and I was so relieved and so happy that like everybody involved with the show loves the Broadway show and vice versa like it's all just love and I would love to know Ethan what yeah. was your awareness of Spongebob Squarepants before you heard about this show I feel like my, my whole like world growing up was Spongebob it came out when I was six or seven I feel like all of my friends and our senses of humor were just like created by SpongeBob. <laughs> I was in college when when I got the audition. I was just like sitting on a beanbag chair in my friend's dorm room and I was holding a SpongeBob plush doll and I was like looking at this poster of all the different faces that SpongeBob makes. You know, have you seen that poster? It's like the row of different like crazy faces. Yeah. And then I got a phone <laughs> call being like, hey, Ethan, like I got your name from this other casting director and um, I can't tell you what this project is, but we're doing a project and you're kind of the right shape for it, which is both like, you know, wonderful and like, uh, like deeply hurtful. And then, uh, <laughs> and then he's just like, and I, you know, I think you'll recognize it when I send you the sides. And so I like open it on my computer and the sides have a little picture of SpongeBob on it. And I was like, guys, I think oh I'm going to audition to play SpongeBob. <laughs> um, the name, by the way, at That's that amazing. time was Chipper Chip. Which is a Chipper pretty good ship. nom de plume. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was an arrow, mm -hmm. if I remember correctly, pointing to it saying, not Spongebob, because it was top <laughs> secret. Good morning, world. And all who inhabit it. Jump out of bed. Mix up a breakfast for my favorite pet snail. Meow. Full steam ahead. The SSI I'm ready is about to set sail. Everyone from the cartoon, they were so supportive and so welcoming into the universe. And Tom Kenny came to our to a couple of workshop presentations. Steve Hillenberg came to a couple of workshop presentations. Wow. And Swaller, like all these people. When I was out in LA, they like 
I got to listen to a couple of recordings of the episodes. And so I would like see, the, you know, it was just like this unbelievable privilege to wow. like Whoa, step into cool. your kid mind or something. <laughs> By the power of Neptune, creatures of the deep assemble. When we talked to Gavin, we talked about the physicality of the Squidward stance. Mm-hmm. When we talked to Danny, we talked about figuring out how to create the physicality yes. of Patrick's hands that originally there were some gloves or mittens or props involved. And then it just became like, if you just point like this, this is that Patrick shape. And you two also, I mean, every cartoon character on this cast is so animated and has such a great silhouette and they ha- they're they so cartoony, they're so pure cartoons. But you two also had immensely difficult jobs. Ethan, you're embodying the most shape-shifty, beautiful little square, like pure cartoon drawing. And Wesley, you're embodying a little bean, this little tiny minuscule. (laughs) What are some of the things that you guys looked at when trying to bring forth and honor that cartoon? So the first workshop that we did, that was the entire thing. There was no script. There was no music. It was two weeks of like, okay, how do you make that silhouette? And I would just like walk around the room trying to figure out like, okay, well, how much do I have to move my hands to make it work? But I feel like one of the biggest things for me was looking over the the creator of SpongeBob, Steven Hillenburg, had talked a lot about his inspirations for these characters. And they hearkened back to Laurel and Hardy and other silent comedians. And I'm kind of obsessed with Buster Keaton and I'm also obsessed with, you know, that era. So that was a, that was actually what I went to. Early days of cartoons built themselves off of these si- this silent movie kind of vaudevillian style. They took it to the nth degree and were like, okay, well, if Buster Keaton can do this, what could he do if he was animated? And that's what SpongeBob became is like the the farthest possible iteration of that. And so I was kind of trying to take that and be like, okay, well, now let's go back to the source material and see if we can find this animated uh, human middle ground. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend gets. We're best friends and this is the friend leader of leading a process of physical play oh, like you yeah. would get in that room and it was so conducive to just exploring and finding mm-hmm. you know i remember for weeks i was trying to <laughs> i didn't know how plankton would first of all that's the biggest <laughs> leap i think of all the characters in terms of <laughs> costume design in terms of you know suspending your disbelief you know the mm-hmm. audience really and that's why the first scene that you see Plankton in the musical, you see the plush toy, the, the tiny puppet. The chum bucket run by Sheldon J. Plankton. Two arch nemeses locked in a fast food cold war. An audience's eyes have to adjust from what they know to this human interpretation in costume design and in physical embodiment. I remember not knowing how to move about the space because how does a planktonic copod move in human form, right? So so I was like, every time I move from A to B, I'm going to bounce, right? So I was like, Mike Dobson, who was our onstage um, sound effects guy, um, I, w- I was like, every time I bounce, he's boing, boing. Always another plan. Quiet, computer wife. 
This time it'll work. I'll make everyone love my jumburgers through the power of hypnosis. It's almost too easy. And it was very funny. But by like day two, the shin splints were crazy. But I was like, I don't care. Like, I will deal with the pain because my body will get used to it. And Tina was like, I'm not sure about this. I'm really not sure about this. You know, I think less is more here. I think let's let's pull this back. Let's pull this back. And she was right. You know, there was a lot of that experimentation and like, okay, less less here, more here. There was a lot of shifts to Plankton when I started playing the part. Like they added yeah. a, a dance break in the middle of the song. They added a speed rap. They, they were making him cooler and, dare I say, a little sexier, more confident. <laughs> I was one of many mom and dad a putty more me in 2020 vision never had it so I had a devastating conversating luminous communicator hoping later every hater wrote this tiny little nugget to your pay you never heard of me okay I am a giant I don't give it up I live it up floating in the tiny thing running for the bike lane celebrate single self see the end of terror relic in years there was this just wonderful uh evening that I remember where Uh-oh. Ethan <laughs> cut his hands on the set pieces because he's like literally upside down like singing songs and cl- you know it's very much dangerous and one night he got off the thing and you know the whole cast is on stage for the last 15-20 minutes of the show and he's bleeding he's like dripping blood onto the deck of the stage no oh no he's gushing blood <laughs> And he's trying to like, like corral the town, and like he has this solo and this big he speech, and he's like bleeding. Yes. He has exactly like giving the the mission of the musical. <laughs> and one cast member runs off stage to grab like a tissue handkerchief, and we're like doing this like dance of like passing the tissue from one character to the next, so that he can wrap his hand while he's delivering the speech and like stop wow. the blood. And it, you know. It, that happened a couple nights out of a couple hundred performances, right? Mm-hmm. And it was just... It, it happened a couple of times, but that one time with the lot of the blood... The first time. Um, the first time. <laughs> it was like, it was really one of the most special things I've ever experienced. And it was yeah. so SpongeBob because... It was beautiful. It was during, it was during Best Day Ever. <laughs> I think it was uh, Abby ran off and got me gauze, and then Galen ran off and she got me a tape. A bandage. Or a <laughs> yeah, like a, oh like a tape. You were in a cast by the and end so, like, of the number. Over the course of the number, we had done a whole first aid situation, and we finished the show, and like I've never felt closer to a group of people. I was in full traction, but I was, yeah. you know, I made it through. <laughs> Can't believe you talk about just walking out. Let's figure out a way to stay today, tomorrow. I feel sorrow, I feel fear, but I'm not leaving here. Who's so leaving? Simple sponges talking, fascinating. Do go on. The Franco Casa Plank. Good luck with that, because I'll be gone. You don't just wait around when you're under a- Plankton is kind of crucial in being the person that delivers this message to the world because you're the villain in in a way, you know? That's right. So like, how did Tina kind of drive home this this social message within this musical, which people I don't think were ready for, honestly. Like, I think they were very pleasantly surprised that this musical had so much substance. Kyle and Tina um, were very adamant on this uh, relevant representation of what was happening in our country. Plankton was very much anti-science, anti-inclusion, anti-immigration. Sandy represents the outsider. You don't belong here. It was not very subtle, to be honest. To the credit of everyone involved, I remember there was like kind of this moment, and this is um, an unofficial from my 
my perspective what happened. But there was this moment where we did a workshop and it was like the show was like really good and like visually was great and like totally was working in some ways, but it just wasn't quite um, good enough. And there was that thing that um, that Nickelodeon would, would always say, which is like, we're not going to do this unless it's better than good enough, unless it yes. brings something new to the SpongeBob universe and mm. in a lofty way, like bring something new to Broadway. And I, I feel really proud that that was the ambition. And I think that we succeeded in a lot of ways. But one of one of the ways that that was true and that I like give a lot of credit to Nickelodeon and our producers there was that after this one version, which was like good, but not quite good enough, we came back and had a new script. And the new script included Sandy's plotline and the sort of mammals mm -hmm. go home plotline and this fear uh, of Bikini Bottom getting like turning on the scapegoat, the scape squirrel. And the, <laughs> it like all of a sudden became kind of heartbreaking and relevant. I thought this was my home. I guess I was wrong. Let us now follow Sandy as she takes refuge in jellyfish fields. I have to say one of the coolest things is that schools and other professional theaters, it's being licensed now. So people are doing SpongeBob. And I've gotten Everywhere. to talk to a couple of casts yeah. and like do Sorry. little oh. Q&As. And I did have this one really sweet interaction with a high schooler who they were like asking questions and she gets up and she goes like, hey, um, aren't you sick of SpongeBob by now? <laughs> and, and then Honestly? everyone everyone laughed and she was like, no, I mean like, I, like, I love it. And like, obviously like, like you talk about it all the time and like you did, you know, did, you did the show. And I was like, thank you. That is an awesome question. And I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not at all. And I think what's incredible oh. about, about not being sick of SpongeBob, even though I've devoted now uh, nine years of my life to it in one way or another is like, I love the character. I love the show. I love the TV show. But there is this other element, which is that, you know, and Wes, tell me if you feel this too. Like we created something that we're really proud of. And yeah. I feel really proud to be a part of this universe. Yeah. And it just feels like this really beautiful thing to see other people get to experience the SpongeBob universe yeah, in totally. like this hands-on way that we got to. You guys were the only people to ever have played these characters except for the originals. You know, the handful of you that were in that, that show. So my question to you guys is, do you have any specific stories about, you know, Wesley, you with Doug Lawrence and Tom Kenny? He came to do the show with you. He was in the show with you. I can't even imagine what that must have been like. Like, do you have any fun Tom Kenny stories? And, and, and I would love to hear, Wesley, from you you're, if you have a Doug Lawrence story. Well, I only met Doug Lawrence at the opening night of SpongeBob on Broadway. He was there at opening. And he was super nice and gregarious and expressive and big hearted. And, and we took photos together and we had like a magical 10 minutes together, you know. <laughs> um, but that's the extent of, of my time with him. He didn't, he, he was only at that Broadway opening. Whereas Tom Kenny, like we worked with him. So it was so nuts getting to work with him. We got to, I got to like, you know, he was just like really generous with his time. I met him for the first time doing a workshop of it. He came to opening in Chicago. And that was that was a really great interaction. I didn't know him very well then. I had met him for like 10 seconds one time before. And then I saw him at the opening party uh, in Chicago, and we were wearing the same outfit. 
Oh my god. And he looks me up and down and he goes, like, uh, he's like, we're kind of like James Bonds. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right, I'll take that. Uh, he did give me advice. He said, never wear yellow. You can sometimes wear a red tie. I was like, all right, that's good. Uh, that's good advice. <laughs> what I remember about Tom Kenny was when we were in England filming this, um, yeah. uh, we were doing a lot of like press and, and PR for Nickelodeon and, and a lot of these like little promotional uh, clips. And he was such a pro at that. He was always doing that and putting us to shame because like <laughs> he'd be doing his little 30 second promotional thing. He would stop. And he'd go back the sentence and do it again. And then he'd improv something else and do it. Or you'd be doing something with him and he'd be totally improving it. And I was just like, oh, I'm just like trying to stay on my toes because Tom Kenny is like schooling me in promotional content right now. <laughs> he and I did one that was like in the streets of Plymouth. We were in this town called Plymouth in England. Yeah. And it was like perpetually misty. It was like the perfect place for Patchy the Pirate. It was like on the water. There's like tall ships in the distance. And so we're like running around these cobblestone streets. It's freezing. It's like seven in the morning and we're about to have a 12 hour tech day. And he's like full of energy, like, like let's, let's do this. You know, it's like so, it was incredible. <laughs> for some reason, every time we were together, there would be somebody with a camera being like, all right, do a laugh off. And he would be like, ah! you know. Yeah. And I'll be like, you know, because I don't use my hand. He uses his hand to do it so he can get that really uh-huh. fast little laugh vibrato. All right, let's hear it, Ethan. <laughs> I just I just did it. No, that was Tom's. Hear it again. What's that yours? Was that was Mine. Tom's. Mine is like, yeah. See, it's like wider. <laughs> yes. It's wider vibrato. once did a, a reading, a table read, and Tina's explaining this process of like infusing your own voice, but doing the character, doing it justice, mm-hmm. all of that. Mm-hmm. And she goes like, like Ethan, Ethan, sh- show them what I mean. Just do the first line. And I was like, oh, um, uh, yeah, oh, okay, um, right, no, no, that's easy, I can do that. And I was like, uh, and I did it. I was like, good morning world and all who inhabit it. And, she, and, she, and Tina goes, yeah, I mean, almost like that. Not quite like that, but like sort of like that. Like, let's, <laughs> let, we'll move on. Which <laughs> is like, like so, it was That's... like kind of perfect. It set the tone for me and for everyone. What I think was so like special about, about Tina's hand in this was like, it is constantly this process of pushing and pulling. And actually the thing about it was like being truthful, not doing an impression and not like worrying too much about the voice. It's like once you get to the point where the voice is yours, then you can be truthful with it. And that's what, um, and that's what Tom I think does so well. You all had such such a blast. Even Wesley, like you talking about what you guys were doing in London, you're just like it was so much fun. It makes me so happy. That's so great. <laughs> yeah, it really was. A, it was a joyous experience, and I had been off the boards for a few years. You know, I had done a couple of Broadway shows, and then I like moved to LA, and to come back to Broadway with this project, which felt the least commercial of anything I had done in New York, even though it was so commercial. Tina Landau wow. would lead every rehearsal with such a pure process-oriented spirit instead yeah. of a result-oriented, millions of dollars are on the line kind of stiff energy mm. that usually goes right. into throwing up a Broadway show. One thing that Tina would do that I loved more than anything in the world was that she would have us go off into separate groups. We did this like kind of throughout, but we especially kind of early on, there was like this split off into groups. And 
come back in five minutes with a version of how the world ends in Bikini Bottom, or come back with a version of like, all of a sudden the tide goes out. What happens if the tide goes out in Bikini Bottom? We would just go off and we would play and we would come up with just this language of play and exploration. And you would kind of forget that you weren't in a workshop. You know, you would, for, you would forget yeah. that you were doing this for a purpose. It just felt like you were yeah. doing it to explore and like have fun. They say that money doesn't matter when you love your work. Ah, who would say that? Probably some penniless jerk. Soon the day will come when they'll all have jump. It's just a matter of Steven Hillenberg and everybody who worked on this show in the late 90s assembled the perfect group of people to make that perfect show. And so many of the things we love about SpongeBob just boils down to they got the perfect people to make that happen. And the Broadway production is no different. They got Tina. They got you guys. It's the perfect people to allow that creativity. Tina, like, assembles the best room and runs the best room. She auditioned us in, in the most fun ways. They said, okay, now put together, like, a two to four minute physical comedy routine. Uh -oh. that, was the, that was the instruction. The first one, there was like, you could choose from these. And then the callback was like, just do something. And I was like, mm. I don't know what to do. So I, I choreographed a... A terrible dance, a very SpongeBob dance to Billie Jean. And there was a bee attacking me the whole time. So at the very end of the song, I dove at the bee. And then I did a little roll and I jumped up and I had swallowed it. So I did like a dive roll that landed like directly in front of the table. <laughs> I just want to say, Ethan, as soon as you turn 30, as someone who's in their 30s, you're unable to do that. It goes away. So just enjoy it while you can. <laughs> What an amazing interview. It was just so nice to hear both Ethan and Wesley talk about how Tina Landau made the rehearsals almost like every day was a, a workshop, a development session. Because yeah. like yeah. we mentioned earlier, like no one knew how these characters were going to come to life in live action. So that sense of play and freedom that Tina Landau allowed, I think is ultimately probably why the production was successful in the end. And fans were like, yeah. oh, wow, I feel like I am watching my friends from Bikini bottom but it's in a different way as brilliant i i absolutely agree frankie like i think that we all feel and hear tom kenny is spongebob and mr lawrence is plankton and yet talking to ethan i was like this guy is spongebob and talking yeah. to wesley and this process he's such the perfect plankton so it was an absolute delight Huge thanks to Ethan and Wesley for sharing their time with us and sharing some stories and, and, and getting to reconnect in that way. And, and just, you know, it's all love. Everything related to SpongeBob we're learning, even if it's a, a, a spin-off Broadway musical or the stop-motion animation world or anything else, it's all love. The SpongeBob family is strong, and I'm really grateful that they extended it to include the Broadway family. Really, really nice. Absolutely. Guys, let us know what your favorite part of today's interview episode was and until next time keep watching cartoons and keep watching stage shows we'll see you on the next spongebob binge pants bye <laughs> <laughs>